Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. In the spirit, did you know that you have a hope? In the spirit of Christ as joint heirs with Christ, as heirs of Christ, according to Galatians 4, 7. Did you know that? You should know that. We should know that we are. there is a greater hope in us than we could ever have hoped for without having Jesus. I told you that said wasn't going to last very long. I want us to walk in that hope. The hope that there's something greater in us than what is around us. Paul begins to talk about this in chapter, chapter 5. But before we start talking about it, I want to talk to you about what hope really is. Because we have a very diluted understanding by English definition what hope means. We say, man, I hope this works out or I hope this happens. When I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, when I was a young man, I, I put a parachute on, I got in an airplane, and I thought... Man, I hope I don't die. But, but there was a real probability that I could actually die. And so my hope was flimsy. We don't have that hope as a Christian. Our hope is unshakable. When I say I have a hope, I mean I have a firm foundation, an absolute certainty that who I am, I am because of Christ Jesus. Because God sent Christ Jesus. And because God sent Christ Jesus and I am in Christ Jesus, I am unshakable. I am immovable. Those things that He promises me according to His Word, I have. I don't have to worry about it. My hope is eternal and it is set. I do not have a flimsy hope in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, if I, if I thought for a second, my hope was even just a little flimsy I wouldn't preach to you I would have stayed in law enforcement I would have continued to do what I was doing I would have lived the life I was living because if there was anything other than an absolute certainty that Jesus Christ died for me and my willingness to accept him as Lord believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead if there was any reason to believe that that didn't establish anything but absolute certain hope of an eternal future I wouldn't want it What's the point in it? If you can't trust God, what are you putting your trust in? And if God says that we have this hope, then we have a hope. I'm trying to establish some hope in you today. So many of us walk around and we're, we allow ourselves to be swayed and moved and pushed to and fro because we don't truly understand who we are and what Christ has given us. I sit here and I, I was writing notes while... Worship was going on because I just I felt in my spirit to, to tell you this. I got to thinking about Galatians specifically as I was praying. And if you just stepped out of Galatians and looked at it, you would see the result of false teaching. The Judaizers have come. They have convinced the Christian population in Galatians in the, in the province of Galatia, that they had to add something to their faith. We hear circumcision, circumcision. Don't get caught up in circumcision. The idea is that that could be anything that you determine to apply 
to the grace that you've been given. You take any one little piece and you've destroyed what grace is. And so you ask the question, why is Paul having to talk to them anyway? He's having to talk to them because their hope is jacked up. Because they had allowed someone to come in and speak to them, move their faith from an absolute certainty to a lack of hope that created fear in them. And so they start thinking, much like we do, man, am I, am I really good? Am I, am I going to go to heaven? And because they're not certain of the hope that they have, they start adding things to the only thing that can truly save them. Well, I'm not sure I actually have this hope. I'm not sure that I'm actually saved. So, you know what, if I just serve at the church a little bit more, maybe God will love me. Or if I do this a little bit harder, God will love me. Or if I give a little bit more money, God will love me. You can't add anything to what God has given you to make Him love you more than He loves you right now. That's the beauty of the hope that we have. And by the way, just so you know, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit to confirm in you that you belong to Him. How many of you guys, I want, I want to ask an honest question, have asked yourself, am I good? I have. some point in my Christian walk, I've asked the question, am I good? The answer to that question is yes. You know how I know? Because it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit in you that would cause you to ask that question in the first place. Let me tell you, the enemy isn't provoking anybody that isn't saved to ask themselves if they're saved. You want to know that you're sealed? That you belong to God? The Holy Spirit making, causing you to have to ask yourself the question, am I saved, is evidence of the Holy Spirit's having sealed you in the first place. The enemy's not walking around going, man, are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? Because he doesn't want you to be saved. But we have been sealed. We have been shown the inheritance that we have. And that inheritance, inheritance that we have has been given to us in advance by the Holy Spirit. Man, that's hope. That's hope for me. Because I, I try to be completely transparent with you guys as often as I can be, which is all the time, probably sometimes to y'all's chagrin. I know I get cringy sometimes being transparent. But I'm jacked up sometimes. And if I didn't know that God truly held me, I'd be terrified. But God didn't give me a spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. So don't walk in fear. Know that He holds you. That He holds you now. And that you are unshakable. Because He is unshakable. Not because you're unshakable. That's what Paul wants the Galatian church to know. That there's a hope in the Spirit that you've been given. And I want to talk about what that hope is today out of Galatians. In 1 through 6, chapter 5, he reads this. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do you know how we stand firm? Acknowledging who we are. Letting the Spirit move us. Having that absolute certainty causes me to stand here and say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. At the end of the day, I'm going to believe in the Word of God. And the Word of God says that in Christ Jesus, I am an heir, a son of God. 
And so I'm going to stand here. You do what you want to do. You teach what you want to teach. You say what you want to say. At the end of the day, I know the truth of the Word of God is that I have the ability to stand firm in the faith and the freedom that I've been given. Anyway, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Remember circumcision or add whatever other thing you think is important. It doesn't matter. Just don't add anything. He says, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. I'm going to tell you why that's beautiful. Why it gives us hope in the Spirit in two points. First point, in the Spirit there's the hope that being in Christ is beneficial. Paul says in verse 2, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. If there's ever an instance where something won't be of benefit to you, then there has to be an instance where something will be of benefit to you. Would you agree? The opposite must also be true. So what is beneficial about being in Christ Jesus? What benefit does Christ have for us in regard to the Spirit? First, we have the benefit of the hope of being filled and sealed by the Spirit. I've talked about this already. In verse 1, it says, or yeah, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be removed again, subject again to a yoke of slavery. Paul, I, I, behold, I, Paul, said to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit. You have been filled by the Holy Spirit. So stand firm. You have a hope that is unshakable. You have to know that you know that God loves you enough to have sent His Spirit to you. That He establishes you in Christ and anointed us in God who has also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. This according to 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. I know that I know. That's the first and most significant hope that we have in the Spirit. That I am unshakable. That you should be unshakable. In this room or outside of this room. Too many of us walk around where one person in church or someone else outside of church. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ didn't die for you to be all wishy-washy or mealy-mouthed or weak-minded. Straighten your back, sir. Straighten your back, ma'am. Pick your head up and know who you belong to. The greatest hope that we have is that Christ Jesus died for us and then gave us the Spirit so that we might have hope in the Spirit so that when the world turns upside down, when things aren't going my way, I can stand firm and not walk in fear. I don't want to walk in fear. I've lived in fear too long, too much of my life, wondering if I was going to make it, if I was going to be able to, if I was enough. The answer to that question is no, I wasn't. I wasn't able to. I wasn't enough. I wasn't going to make it. You know why? 
Because at the end of my life, had I never come into relationship with Jesus Christ, I would have no hope in the Spirit at all, which means I'd have no hope for eternity, which means I'd be separated from anything good for all of eternity. But God revealed Himself to me. And I don't want anything from you today except for you to understand the hope that you have because the Spirit of God lives in you. To walk according to who you are. Because Christ is more than sufficient. And His Spirit He placed in you. Just like He promised He would. In 1 John, I'm sorry, in not 1 John. In John 14, you guys hear me reference 14 all the time, in that in order to be long to God, we got to be obedient. But there's something else in 14 besides those couple of verses. In 14, 16 through 20, it says this. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. That's capital H. That's the Holy Spirit. Paraclete, one who walks alongside you, one who will counsel you, one who will comfort you. That's what all these, this helper means. That He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because according to the Word, He's been revealed to you. I do not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me. And I in you. Listen to the significance of this. You want to talk about unity. In that day, the day of Pentecost, which we're going to be talking about this weekend. In the day of Pentecost, I will not leave you as orphans. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me. And I am in you. Do you know how we'll know that? Because we have the hope of the Spirit because we've been sealed by the Spirit according to the Word of God. Amen? Oh, that's good. I don't know if y'all like that or not, but I do. And the hope of being in field, we benefit from the Spirit of Christ being in us. But that's not the only benefit. There's the hope of being free. The hope in the Spirit is a spirit of freedom. Remember I told you at the very beginning of this thing, 5-1, was the thesis statement for all of Galatians. If you had to pull out one verse in regard to everything Paul's talking about, it would be 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You could write books on this verse. But let's keep it in context specifically regarding what Paul's talking about. Christ made you free for the sake of freedom. You know what that means? That you're no longer bound to slavery according of the law. There's nothing that you're obligated to short of faith in the grace that was extended to you for you and to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you shall be saved. Well, i, I got to do this. No, you don't. I gotta do, the Bible says i got to do this. 
Let me tell you, those works are important, but they don't save you. They prove you. Can I say that again? Those works don't save you. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God in us, saved us, removed us from the bonds and the restraint of slavery to stuff. You put yourself in that yoke. Not me. You put yourself in the yoke of slavery. Not God or Jesus. You put yourself in that yoke. God didn't send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you because He needed you to put on the other half of that yoke and carry the weight for Him. He's more than capable of carrying the weight for Himself. Amen? So set it aside. Trust in the hope that you have. That the hope is that you've been sealed. That the hope is that you are no longer slaves. You're free from restraint. This happened in Acts 1, 4, and 5. He says, gathering them together, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father has promised. You have a hope in you. But you don't just have this hope. You have a hope of being and staying in Christ. You have a hope of righteousness. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Christ died to give you the Spirit. The Spirit exists in you to bring you to the place of righteousness so that you might have the hope of righteousness. The only thing that we're required to do is listen to the Spirit of God move in us. You want to know what you're supposed to be doing? Listen to the Spirit of God move in you. He's a helper. He's supposed to be a counselor. He is the comforter. He is the one that will show you, walk with you, teach you. It is from Him that we benefit in Christ Jesus. Amen? I want us to understand that our righteousness comes through Christ by the Holy Spirit inside of us. The only thing we have to do is make sure that we don't turn back. Probably the most damning verse in my mind in Galatians is four. Having made yourself obligation to the law, he says this, you have been severed from Christ. You are, being, you are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. I'm going to say something that may offend one or two of you. I don't know how anyone makes an argument for once saved, always saved, reading verse 4. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. It sounds off point. But it's not. He says you have been severed from Christ. First off, who is Paul talking to? He's not talking to some random knucklehead on the side of the road. He's talking to the church. And then he says you have been severed. It's impossible to be severed if you haven't first been attached. 
And then he says, you have fallen. You, it is impossible to fall from a place from which you have not first ascended. Does everybody understand that? Why do I say that? Because when we subject ourselves to legalism, we say that the work that Christ did isn't enough for us. And if we say the work that Christ did isn't enough for us, then in saying that, we're saying we don't have faith in the work of Christ Jesus. And if we don't have faith in the work of Christ Jesus, we can't be saved. So we have moved, removed ourselves from a place of salvation, severed ourselves because we have determined, because we've allowed those amongst us to cast fear into our life, to disrupt the hope that we have, to sever us and cause us to fall. You want to know why it's important that we pay attention to sound doctrine? Because those sheep or those wolves in sheep clothing come amongst you dressed as sheep. They can pull you apart. They can destroy you. He's talking to the Galatian church because someone has been allowed within the confines of their church, within their community, and told them a lie. And told it enough times that they began to believe it. Because faith comes by hearing. Amen? Oh, by hearing the Word of God. By hearing whatever you hear enough times. Nazi Germany believed the evil doctrines of Nazi Germany because they heard those lies enough times. We have fallen into a society that says it's okay to abort a child because we've heard that lie enough times. You hear any lie enough times, you're going to start believing that lie is the truth. And you're going to cast your hope and build your hope on that. And let me tell you, that's never going to work. That's going to cause one thing to happen. You're going to be removed from the hope that you have in the Spirit, severed from Christ, and fall from grace. And I don't want that for you. Paul didn't want that for the Galatian church. I want you to know that your hope is unshakable. It's immovable. It isn't flimsy. It is here to stay. Amen? God is too good to us to hear this nonsense. To have somebody tell you Jesus wasn't enough for you. And yet, it happens all the time. Look at America right now as opposed to 50 years ago. God told, I think Moses, I can't remember now, don't move the boundaries. He was talking specifically about the land, but can I tell you, don't move the boundaries of your own life, of the morality of the Word of God. Because if I move a boundary a little bit, then the next generation is going to move it a little bit, and the next generation is going to move it a little bit, and so on and so forth until we forget where the original boundary was. And if we try to determine or tell someone where the original boundary was, they will stand opposed to you with everything that they have. And that's where we're at right now. Why? Because we've heard something enough times to believe it. I'm here to shatter the false idea that you can work your way into heaven. I'm here to shatter the idea that God needs you to harness yourself to the other side of that yoke and carry the work of Christ. Because that's what Paul's saying. You can't do it, stop trying. Instead, plant yourself in the hope that you have that is confirmed in you by the Spirit of God. And He's good, ain't He? And we have the hope of continued righteousness. In 6, He says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, 
but faith working through love. Doesn't matter what you add to, doesn't matter what you take away from. Stand in faith that you've been given salvation and that's been sealed in you by the Spirit. And there's only one thing that proves your faith. And that's faith working itself out in love. Paul's about to start a conversation about the fruits of the Spirit. And he's going to say, kind of what I've told you already. That all of these things are a product of God. But they should still cause you to be something. That you should still be proven in your confession. Not that your work saves you again, but that it proves you. So the question is, with the hope and the spirit that you have, how is that hope working out in love for you? How is that hope working out in love towards God? How is that hope working out towards lo in love towards one another? Let me tell you, you can't be gossip. You can't talk about somebody that's less than you or somebody that's equal to or greater than you for no other reason than be talking about them and say your love's right. You can't be impatient and say your love's right. You can't be, you can't lack self-control and say your love's right. I shared this, I have a men's group that I meet with once a month. And I, I told them that it's the Spirit of God working in us that provokes love in us that should literally control every action around us. My wife aggravates me because I, if it's 45 miles an hour, sometimes I'll do 40. Sometimes I'll do 45, sometimes less. Depends on, it's not that big a hurry. Do you know why I quit speeding like a madman? Because I came to the realization that even in my speeding, what happens if someone comes out of a driveway and because I'm driving too fast, I harm them? That's faith working itself out in love. We should filter everything that we do through the lens of the love that we have. God loved us enough to send His Son, Jesus. What is the hope that we have because of that? How does that cause us to love others? Man, I just want to love well. I think well done, good and faithful servant will always be a product of how you loved. How did you love? I want to enter rest, man. And I don't want to do it with the baggage of did I do enough? Was I sufficient enough? Because I'm not. Neither are you. Pastor David Peden, you know, his church, we helped plant his church. The first day I was there, the first day they opened, I went for their first service. And he said, Pastor, I'm scared. And I was like, what are you scared for? He goes, I'm scared I'm not enough. I said, you're in a good place. Because you're not. So watch God work. And let Him work. You just love people. Let us be people who love people. 
because of the hope we have in the Spirit. Amen.